Well, good morning, church. It is my honor and privilege to be able to uh, speak this morning for our very first service of 2023. Amen for that. Happy New Year to everyone. Um, I feel like, Maxanne, that requires at least a little bit more jubilation. Good morning and Happy New Year, everyone. We want to come in like a lion, amen? In like a lion. Well, listen, another another Christmas has uh, come and gone, and uh, perhaps if, if you're like me, I, I, I don't take down the tree until after New Year's, so we'll probably be doing that today. Um, probably in your house, Christmas dinner has now become Christmas leftovers again and again and again, right? Two or three times at least. Uh, visiting family members have all returned home for the most part. I see a few faces in here that I don't quite recognize, so maybe you're still in town. And the excitement that we've had for Christmas that has been uh, building up for weeks and weeks and weeks now sits in a, a big pile of trash by the garbage can, right? All the paper and tinsels and everything and so forth. I was thinking about the Christmas story. Over the last couple of Sundays, we, we talked a lot about the Christmas story. And you know, the Christmas story was a lot like that. If you think about the, when you open up the Gospels, you have all this hustle and bustle and things that were going on around the time of the birth of Christ. And, and then it kind of just goes away. There's nothing for a, about 30 years or so. And then we don't really have any other stories until later on when Jesus begins his, his public ministry. But you think about the beginning of the story. You've got, you know, weeks and weeks that are leading up to his birth, the angels appearing, the wedding arrangements, the census, the journey to Bethlehem, the birth of the king, the shepherds preaching, the magi praising. Eight days later, Jesus is presented at the temple. If you remember, that's when he was uh, circumcised, and that's when he uh, met Simeon and Anna, who was the prophetess. And there's all this stuff that's going on at the beginning of the Jesus story. But then after that, there's nothing. And I find that curious. 30 years of Jesus' life goes by. And there's really only one verse in the entire Bible that sums up anything that happened during that time. Now, there is that one side story, right? That one little excursion, that one little snippet that we get when Jesus is 12 years old at the temple and he's, you know, arguing, not arguing, but he's asking questions, answering questions. And, and, and of course, he gets lost because he's there at the temple and the parents don't know that. And, and, and they remember, they, they see Jesus and they're just so impressed by his wisdom. We've got that one story. But then other than that, this is the only verse that we have that sums up 30 years of his life. Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. So for 30 years, the Bible doesn't tell you really much of anything, but it just says he grows. He grows. He, he's growing in different ways. He's growing in wisdom, his understanding. He's growing in stature. He's from a little baby up to a grown man. He's growing in favor with God. He's learning how to walk in obedience and relationship with God. And because of that, he's starting to have more influence and more acceptance among the people. He's growing in favor with God's people. And you know, I was thinking about that. I, I, I'm not one for um, New Year's resolutions. I used to be, but then I failed all the time. So then I thought, what's that? Well, why even try, right? No, I'm kidding. I, I, I don't do resolutions. I do what's called goals. And, and I make goals, and then I make sub-goals to try to meet those goals. I do it every year. It's, it's, a, it's a common practice that I, I like to do for myself. But, but as I was thinking about the closing of the year 2022 and the beginning of 2023, 
And I was thinking about the life of, of Jesus. I realized I need some growth in my life. What about you? Could you use a little bit new, a little bit more growth in my life? I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I feel like life gets like I'm on coast, like I'm coasting. You ever feel that way? You know, it's almost like you get into the, to the humdrum, you start doing the thing or whatever, and, and like three, three months go by, six months go by, a year goes by, not necessarily doing bad things, but just never really achieving some of the goals that you've set for yourself. And this next year, 2023, I don't want to do that. I want to be intentional about growing. And, and I got to thinking, you know, this passage here, it can serve almost as a guide for this next year. And, and so that's what I've decided to do for myself. And I'm going to present this to you. And this is something that you might want to use in your life if you want to. Um, but I'm going to show you how I'm planning to use it for myself. Four ways. Uh, Jesus gives us a, a fourfold example, if you will, of how we can make this year, 2023, a year of growth especially spiritual growth. I want you to take your Bibles, if you're not already there, go with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 52. <clears throat> the very first thing the Bible says here is that as Jesus grew, he grew intellectually. It says he grew in wisdom. Now, that's interesting because that's the one thing that that one story about Jesus being 12 years old tells us about him, doesn't it? When they go on this caravan to, to worship at the temple like they did three times a year and they're on their way back, it would have made sense for them to, to not necessarily have Jesus right by their side because when you travel to Jerusalem for worship every year, that was a big thing. So you would usually travel with your family, your friends, your neighbors, you know, the people you've grown up with. So it would, it would not be weird for Jesus to be hanging out with the cousins in the back of the caravan, right, with all the other little kids. But they're almost halfway back home when they realize that Jesus isn't with them. And so they go back and they find him at the temple. And what's he doing? He's sitting there with the Pharisees, which is what they loved to do back then. They would sit around the temple and they would talk Bible, you know, kind of like we do in our Bible classes. They would just talk Bible and they would ask the hard questions and the big questions and the, the hairy questions and the ones that, the, you know, people would debate back and forth. And there would be this camp and that camp. They love to do that kind of thing. And there they find Jesus. And what is he doing? At the age of 12 years old, he is demonstrating incredible wisdom because of the questions that he's asking the Pharisees and because of the answers that he's giving to some of them. The Bible says that when his parents finally found him in the temple, it says that he was, quote, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everybody who heard him was amazed at his understanding and at his answers. Now, here's what amazes me. Our very Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who designed the very DNA that exists inside of your body and who scattered the constellations like dust out in the universe, had to learn wisdom at all. And yet, when you read the Bible, for example, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, it tells us that though he was God, this is Jesus, though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to be held on to or something to cling to. In other words, he was willing to give up all of his divine privileges, all of his divine prerogative, all of his divine wisdom and knowledge, and literally start from ground zero, start with where you and I are so that he could come and save us. So that means that Jesus grew up the same way you and I did. I, I hear those questions from time to time. Do you think that Jesus ever ever actually you know uh had to do things that we do 
You know, do you think you ever had to go to the restroom? Do you ever think you had indigestion? You know, I'm not trying to be crass, but sometimes we put Jesus, I don't want to say it, on a pedestal. He deserves to be on a pedestal. But sometimes we put him so far up there that we think he's utterly human and therefore cannot identify with the things that we're dealing with. And that's not true. Jesus started at square one. His practice, not just at the age of 12, it's clear from the story that already by the age of 12, Jesus was very much interested in the Word of God. He went to synagogue every Sunday. He learned, he went to Torah school just like all the other boys did. He went through his bar mitzvah at the age of 13, most likely like all the other Jewish boys did. But he didn't stop there. He kept on reading God's Word. He kept on attending Bible study meetings. He kept on learning and growing as much as he possibly could. So the whole point of the story in Luke 2.52 is that where Jesus got his wisdom from the same place that you and I are to get our wisdom from as well. And that's the word of God. And that's what we do here when you come to church every single Sunday. And the fact that Jesus continued to grow in wisdom, I think, reminds us that no matter how old we get, no matter how educated we become, it's very important that we keep on learning. Amen? That we keep on learning. Listen, if you don't have a Bible reading program, let me highly encourage you. This is the time to do it. Um, I'll tell you, uh, was it Michelle? I'll I'll pick on you a little bit. She sent me a message a few weeks ago, and she's like, I I, want to read my Bible, but I just don't know where to begin. It's just like this really big book, 66 books in there. I'm I'm sorry. She's turning redder than her shirt right now. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, start somewhere. I'll tell you what I do. I follow the Torah readings every, every term, right? So every week there's a Torah reading. So all the Jews on the face of the planet, all the Messianic Jews, the ones who have accepted Messiah, they have this reading plan that they do every single week, and it's a portion of the Torah. I follow that every single week. But I also read some from the Old Testament writings, from the history. I also read from the Proverbs and the Psalms. I try to read that at least once a week. I try to read out of the prophets. I do that once a week. I try to read something out of the Gospels. I'll do that once a week, and then I'll try to read something out of the letters. Now, that's just what works for me. I like that because I get to go through the whole Bible a couple of times a year doing that. Um, but you may not want to do that. There's all kinds of reading programs. There's a little app that you can get on your phone called the Bible app. Who's got it? Raise your hand. Most everybody in here has got that app, okay? On that app, there's a million plans that you can read. Tiffany decided to start reading the chronological Bible. So she's wanting to read the whole Bible in chronological order this year. There's all kinds of things that you can do. So let me encourage you. You want to grow? The first thing that you've got to do for 2023 is to make time to study God's Word. Every single person needs to make time to study God's Word. And you already know what I'm going to say number two is. Make time for 95.5 time. If you're going to spend time in God's Word, God's going to give you revelation. Well, guess what? You need to spend time with the Lord in meditation so you can receive that revelation. Amen? So spend time with the Lord. I don't care if it's 10, 15, 20 minutes. Start somewhere and start putting that time in with the Lord. Now, one thing to remember, it's important. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Sometimes I think that we think that by gaining more knowledge that we're becoming more wise. That's not the truth. Let me read you a quote that I read one time that I think is really good. It says, wisdom is what one gains as they apply knowledge through experience. Let me read that one more time because I had to read that one more time when I read it the first time. Listen to it very carefully. Wisdom is what one gains as they apply knowledge through experience. 
So what, do I, what am I saying by that? When you take that time to read God's Word, do not let it just be intellectual facts that you gain in your brain. Every time you read something and the Holy Spirit stirs you up to do obedience, to obey that Word, do not wait. Make it a practice in 2023 to live obediently. I don't care what the Word says. If the Word just told you to get up and go forgive somebody, I want to challenge you this year. Do it. Don't wait on the Word actually do what the word says if the word says to go talk to your neighbor and and share christ uh, with them then guess what do it do it make a practice of not only learning god's word spending time in god's word but make 2023 a year where we learn to practice and obey god's word amen um i'll tell you what mark twain once said this we should be careful to take from an experience only the wisdom that's taught in it. I came across something that was kind of funny this week, and I, I, I thought it was really cute. I wanted to share it with you. Um, but it was a, a few online, it was online, it was a few collected uh, nuggets of wisdom that were put together by children, all right? So you think of Proverbs in the Old Testament, little nuggets of wisdom, right? Well, see what you think about these little nuggets of wisdom that was collected from a group of kids one time. Patrick, age 10, had this little nugget of wisdom. He said this, never trust a dog to watch your food. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? Michael, age 14. When your dad asks, do I look stupid to you? Don't answer. <laughs> Talia, age 11. When your mom is mad at your dad, don't let your mom brush your hair. Here's the here's last one. Michael, age 14. Never, ever tell your mom that her diet is not working. That's good advice. Some of that advice is gold, ain't it? One of the ways that I'm seeking to grow in wisdom this year, and this is something that I've done from time to time, is I love spending time in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a great book. Anybody, when's the last time we all read Proverbs? Has it been recently? Um, book of Proverbs, I love it. It starts off like this. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. He's saying that's the purpose of the Proverbs. It's to teach people wisdom and discipline. You understand the difference there. That's wisdom. That's applied knowledge, not just facts, but facts that you've lived and applied and gained wisdom and through that, you've gained discipline. Does that make sense? To help them understand the insights of the wise. I'll tell you what, a long time ago, I made practicing the book of Proverbs a yearly thing. And if you think about it, the book of Proverbs teaches about all the most important topics in your life. It teaches about marriage. It teaches about money. It teaches about relationships. It teaches about sex. It teaches about friendships and faith and having a relationship with God. It teaches about breaking free from sin. There's so many different things that you can learn. And I'll tell you what, this is the best little book I've ever read. And uh, David Miller, if you're watching, I, I need to get this back from you because I loaned it out to David. But I got this book at my graduation when I was uh, 18 years old. Back This was 2000, uh, sorry, 1997, excuse me, 1997. It's called King Solomon's Advice. Best little book I've ever read on, on, on the, the Proverbs. It's not a commentary on Proverbs. 
If you want to find it, you can still find it on Amazon. But let me tell you what it does. It takes all of the Proverbs and it collects them into topics. So if you want to read all the Proverbs about marriage and family, you can read all the, to- all the, the Proverbs on marriage and family, on money, on relationships, on forgiveness, on friendships. Like it does that whole thing. That is a wonderful, wonderful little book, and I encourage you to get it if you want to. Ultimately, we know that all wisdom comes from where? Comes down from the Father of lights, according to the book of James. If we want wisdom, then we're going to have to spend 2023 with the one who is wisdom. Amen? Spending time with the Lord. But Jesus not only grew in wisdom, the Bible also says that he grew. Let's see if I can get this thing to work here. All right. Not only did he grow in wisdom, but he also grew in stature. Or as another translation puts it, he grew physically. Now, I'll look out. I see a lot of lighter color heads. Most of us are done growing physically. Uh, Over the holidays, some of us have continued to grow uh, physically. Uh, Not quite what what we're talking about here. But it's interesting because um, um, surveys show, most recent surveys show, that some of the most common New Year's resolutions are what? Everybody knows the first one. Every year it's the same one. I went back and checked. There's actually two that kind of fight between number one and number two. Guess which one is number one this year? And I'm wondering if it's because of the pandemic. But the number one New Year's resolution for 2023 is spend time with family. Spend more time with family and friends. Now listen, a lot of people make all kinds of goals every year. I want to lose weight. I want to get stronger. I want to lay down the bottle. I want to start... Uh, I, want, I don't want to smoke anymore, I, or, or whatever it may be. People make all kinds of New Year's resolutions, and I think every single one of those things are wonderful. The Bible tells us, for example, that our bodies, and that this is something that doesn't get preached enough, I don't think, but our, body, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now, that means that we have physical bodies, but we house something beautiful on the inside. We house the Holy Spirit. He's holy, Right? We're not. Our bodies house this thing, this, this person called the Holy Spirit. So that means that we should, to some degree, whatever degree that we can, we should take care of our bodies. Amen? You know, I, I, I used to be so big. I don't know. You probably, I have a picture. I would show it to you. But last year, Colby remembers this. Uh, at the end of last year, I was probably almost at 300 pounds. And, and, and it was because I had just let it go. I ate however I wanted to eat. I'd, I wasn't working out. I wasn't doing what I needed to be doing. And then we had a, Tiffany and I started working out two years ago, lost about 60 pounds, gained about 20 back. I'm still about 40 pounds down from where I was. This last year, um, I already told you the story, uh, Tiffany and I decided that we were going to start doing karate with the kids. Let me tell you something. That was the hardest thing in the world to do, to get up off my rear end after 20 or some odd years of not doing karate putting on that gi again and sloshing around in this body that it does not do what it used to do, let me tell you. But I will tell you something. I'm not speaking as someone who's preaching at you. I'm really preaching to myself here. It has been worth it. It's been worth it in the sense that I've had more energy. It's been worth it in the sense that it has caused my stress levels to go down. It's worth it because I can move around the house better. I can tie my shoes better than I used to be able to tie them. Listen, my point in saying all of this here is regardless of of what your goals are for the new year, regardless if you want to shed some pounds or get fit or just cut out the preservatives and the processed junk out of your diet, whatever it is, remember Paul said these words. 
Physical training is good. Spiritual training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. So here's how I read that. I've read it this way for many years. It's not that physical training is bad for you. It's good for you. Spiritual is better. As long as you've got both in place, guess what? You are going to be a better person this next year in 2023. Do whatever you can to take care of your body. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. I don't know what your goal is physically. Maybe it's to stop taking a certain medication. Maybe it's to get a little stronger. Maybe it's to drop 20 pounds. But I'm going to give you a goal. Please do something, anything in your body or in your life this year to make your body healthier. Do something to make your body healthier. Maybe that's just spending more time alone with God. Maybe that's de-stressing your life a little bit, taking 30 minutes out of your day and saying, you know what, I can start my work a little bit later. I'm going to focus on my time with God. It may be just that, but you know what? <clears throat> That'll change everything in your life for this next year. And that leads us to the third way that Jesus grew. And that is, let me get to the slide here. Okay. He grew in favor with God. Look at, uh, go back to Luke chapter 2 with me. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God. Jesus grew in favor with God. In other words, Jesus lived a life that pleased God and put a smile on God's face because of how he lived. You know, I, 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 think, um, I think sometimes we tend to forget that God has emotions. Right? We almost think that God is stoic in the way that he lives his life. He's just kind of up there and nothing you know, moves him one way or the other. He's just God. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. It says that, that he feels things very deeply. It says that God grieves. It says that God can get jealous. It says that God can anger at times. He can feel compassion and pity and sorrow and sympathy. God loves. The Bible says that he is love. I was watching Luke... And, you know, you were holding, you know, you're holding your baby up here and everything. And the, the smile on his face, like you didn't see it because <clears throat> he was looking at us. But the smile on his face hugging you, like to me, <clears throat> that's God's favor, right? That's all that, that your son was wanting you in that moment. I'm sorry to turn you into a sermon illustration, but it was beautiful. And Colby and I were watching. But, but that smile that he had on his face when he was hugging you, like that's what the favor of God is. You understand that, right? It's, 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 it's God looking upon you with that love and that, 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 that almost like that dotingness that, that you have from your mother or your grandmother. It's, that's the way God feels about his children. And the Bible says that you can grow in that. John 8, 29, Jesus says that the one who sent me is with me and he has not left me alone for I always do what pleases him. I always do what pleases him. I'll be honest with you, when I was a teenager, I used to read that verse and it almost sounded like a goody-goody two-shoes, didn't it? I always do it. my mom and dad say, I always do, right? But it was different with Jesus. Jesus literally always did what his father wanted. You know why? Because that's where Jesus found his greatest joy. And if we're not always doing the things that please the father, is it because we don't find joy with the father at all times so maybe that's something for us to think about how do you grow in favor with god well you have to first like and love the things that he favors if he favors uh you know loving you and giving you all this mercy and grace but you're over here and you're engaged in sin and you're engaged in things that cause him displeasure 
Do you think that you're going to bring his pleasure in places of displeasure? No. So repent. That's what repentance is, right? Repentance is letting go of the things that do not please God and begin walking in the things that cause his pleasure. And guess what? When you walk in the things that cause his pleasure, when he looks down upon you, what does he look with? Favor. It's simple. It sounds like works, but it's not. We're not talking about things to do to get saved. We're talking about how saved people should act. Amen? I love this. He's writing to uh, the church in Coloss, Paul is. And he says these words while writing to the church in Coloss. He says, for this reason, since the day that we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Watch this. Underline this part of the verse. And please Him in every way. Bearing good fruit, every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So Paul prays that these Christians would live lives that would always please God. That's what he wants for me and you. He wants us to always please God. And he tells you in the text how to do it. Look at it with me again. It's, it's basically everything we've just been talking about, but this verse reiterates it. He says, you accomplish this by knowing God intimately, by knowing him experientially, and by knowing his will better and better. I, I tell you, I, I think it pleases God most. You know what I think pleases God most? is simply when we wake up every day and we just pursue Him with everything we got. That's what we do. We pursue Him with everything we got. God gives us His grace, His favor, because we're walking in His love and His grace. We're walking in His forgiveness. We, we, we find areas in our lives that are not lining up with God the way that it should. We course correct those things, and we move our lives daily in more and more in tune with God's will. That is what pleases the Father more than anything. So I guess the question this morning is, as we get ready to close this sermon time, is, is what are you doing, actively speaking? What are you doing for 2023, starting now? What are you doing to pursue God more? Maybe you need to pursue Him more by spending time in prayer and meditation. Maybe you need to pull out a a spiritual devotional book and just make some time to connect with the Lord and maybe learn some new insights from somebody else. Maybe you could pursue God by studying the, the evidence for his existence and get into apologetics or archaeology. There's all kinds of amazing things there that you can learn and grow in your relationship with the Lord. You could pursue God by surrendering more of your life to him, by letting him surgically remove bad habits and things from your heart and life that don't need to be there. Regardless of how you do it, if you want to grow in favor with God this year, then you have to purposely, intentionally, daily make that time with Him. And then finally this morning, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. He grew in favor with God, and He also grew in favor with other people. Jesus was a social person, not Facebook, right? But He was a social person. He spent time with people. That was one of the things that got Jesus in trouble a lot of times because there were some people that felt like he was spending time with all the wrong people. <laughs> and then he would get with those people and they would say, why are you spending time with those people? You shouldn't be with those people over here. One thing about Jesus' life is that he was social. 
Mark chapter 12, verse 31 says, the second most important commandment is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus lived those words. See, the truth of the matter is you and I have a real need to connect with other people. We think we don't. We've been raised in a society that says, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. We're rugged individualists. We can do it on our own. And the truth is you can't. Over time, you get sad, depressed. You feel like you need to connect with somebody else. And so one of the things that I'm thinking about for this year is I look forward to ways in which we can deepen the connections here at, uh, at the Eastside family. We've been talking about small groups. That's something that's still on the table for the spring. We've been talking about doing more things to connect with one another. We're talking about outreach in the spring as well. Guys, there's going to be so many opportunities for us to get together, but the most important thing is we've got to find ways to connect. There's, uh, there's things that I'm, I'm not even willing to get into yet for 2023, but there are things that I believe are going to happen this year that's going to require us to need each other and to be close with one another as a church. We can't do any of those things if we're not together. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, we should not neglect gathering together with other believers, as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. So let's look for ways to deepen our relationships with each other. Maybe for you that means being more consistent in your attendance. Maybe in slacking off a little bit, coming once a month, twice a month. Maybe you need to come a little bit more. Uh, maybe it means inviting someone over for, for, for church. Maybe it means having somebody over for dinner. Guess what? I love dinner. That's a joke, okay? I really do. But no, we, we can invite each other over into our homes. Maybe we can uh, look for ways to, to attend, attend more church functions. Or, or better yet, if, if you didn't get a chance to serve in 2022, if, if you just came to church and sat in the pews all year, this year, make it your year to join in the activities at the Eastside family. Find something that you can uniquely do and serve here at this congregation. Grow in favor with God and with other people. I don't know if you're the type of person... Um, that makes resolutions or goals. I never, I never used to be, like I said a moment ago. But I do like to make goals. And there was a mentor that I had one time, and I mentioned this in Bible class, and he would always say this, what are you and let's say your goal is to lose 20 pounds. And I love his follow-up question. He would say, now what are you going to do about it? How are you going to get there? And what he was teaching us to do was is that whenever you make a big goal, don't just make this big goal, this pie-in-the-sky goal, Make micro goals, make little goals like, like stepping stones along the way. How are you going to intentionally get there to that goal, whatever it may be? Well, regardless of whatever your resolutions may be for this year, I pray that this year is going to be a year of growth for you. But it will if you are intentional. If you are intentional. For me, I'm planning to intend my very best to grow in wisdom Grow in stature, I think I've done most of that. I'm praying to go down in stature a little bit. But I certainly want to grow in my favor with God. And I want to grow in favor with you guys. That's my goals for the year. What are yours? As together we stand and sing.